Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Ready Player One in today's statistics episode. Monday's episode was the review episode for Ready Player One. Today we're going to talk about the statistics behind this film. Uh, it is, as I mentioned, uh, you know, I was not very high on it. Uh, it ended up being rated in the 50s for me, approximately a 59. And that was meh and kind of disappointing, but that's just where it is. And as such... Uh, you know, films rated in the 50s generally don't have a huge impact on the people that, that are involved with them, statistically. Uh, the bigger the, uh, the smaller the sample size, the bigger the impact. So people with less than 10 films to their name, whether they're director, writer, actor, they're going to be affected a bit more than others. But some people are probably not going to move at all. Uh <laughs> Which, I guess I don't actually, like, specifically know. You know, I, I, I base the, st the stats off of where they ultimately end up, not the difference in uh, where they were. Uh, because that is a lot more work and, and more difficult to, to keep track of. Especially when, you know, I'm recording this two days three days after I saw the movie, so I've already logged another 15 to 20 films in the time since then, and uh, it would just, it, you know, I just, it would really make me have to be that much more, um, um, what's the word? I don't know. <laughs> I would have to be that much more conscientious of when I'm recording everything, and it would probably require larger gaps between taking the time to log things and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, okay, just ready to player one, and uh, let's let's do the stats. All right. Um, I've seen it once. I saw it. April 1st, 2018, it is currently the only 2018 film that I've seen in April. I logged it at 129 minutes. It's listed at 140, and I think about 10 minutes of it are credits. I did not stay past the credits. I don't know if there's anything cool or neat throughout it or, uh, or not, but for me, the credits rolled in 129 minutes, so a little more than just under 2 hours and 10 minutes for me. Uh, it is a 2018 film. My summary is the world scrambles to find an egg in a virtual world that will give them total control over it. Fairly straightforward. Uh, you know, that, that's pretty much what the opening monologue kind of explains to you when you're watching the movie. As I said, I rated it a 59, and it has a 76 on Rotten Tomatoes that I just checked. Uh, with a 59, that currently makes it number six uh, on the year of 2018, which is really high given the rating. For reference, uh, films rated 59 last year 
are tied for 147th overall. Uh, some of those films include um, Restless Creature, colon, Wendy Whalen, documentary, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, another documentary, Wheelman, which is a Netflix movie, Band Aid, which was a kind of like a relationship musical, The Beguiled, and Kingsman, colon, The Golden Circle, all rated 59 from last year. But Ready Player One, 59 this year, falls one spot behind Peter Rabbit and one spot ahead of Team Daryl, which is a Thor short uh, about the Grandmaster showing up to be Daryl's new roommate, which is kind of silly, kind of fun. Jeff Goldblum, you know. Moving on to the director. This director is Steven Spielberg. He is... Um, the second most prolific director on the spreadsheet at 33 films now. It lowers his average film rating to a 64.85, uh, which is the lowest average film rating in the top 50 directors on my page. Uh, he ha It is his eighth film rated between 50 and 59, and it is his 21st film overall coming in just behind the Sugarland Express and just ahead of Duel. It, his film, film value stays at 16.5 and his score moves to 77.64. He is ranked 17th overall, one spot behind Quentin Tarantino, one spot ahead of James Cameron. And Sugarland Express and Ready Player One at, are actually rated 59 both rated 59. Uh, Sugarland Express has a slightly or significantly better Rotten Tomato score, which is what makes it ranked one spot ahead of Ready Player One. I think personally, I might side with Ready Player One, but statistically, it comes in behind Sugarland Express. Moving on to the writers. Um, first off is Zach Penn. This is the fourth film credit I have for him. And it drops his average film rating to a 67.25. It is his only film rated in the 50s and third best movie overall. Coming in behind Last Action Hero and ahead of The Incredible Hulk. Last Action Hero is definitely in the same vein as Ready Player One. I think it works better as a satire of like pop culture and, and movies and things like that than Ready Player One does though. But that's just my opinion. Uh, this is in, keeps his film value at a 1.5, and his score moves to a 46.33. He is ranked 379th overall, one spot behind James Goldman, uh, writer, Oscar-winning writer of The Lion in Winter, and he is one spot ahead of Warren Beatty, who has written, who's Oscar-nominated writer for Bullworth, Reds, and also wrote. Uh, the 2016 film, Rules Don't Apply. Also, it is uh, who co-wrote the screenplay and wrote the novel, Ernest Klein. This is his only film credit, and it is his only film rated in the 50s. Uh, it is his best and worst film. He has a value of zero and a score of 19.67. He is ranked 3,514th, tied with... Uh, the writers from Back to School, Ip Man, Seventh Heaven, Ironweed, Wheelman, 
Superman colon Unbound. Um, the Master, not the Paul Thomas Anderson film. Knights of Bad Astem, Inherent Vice, Central Intelligence, Demolition Man, Beguiled, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, A Single Man, many others. Uh, puts him just behind Mark Perez, who is the writer on Game Night. And just ahead of Dean Jorgaris, Gorgaris, who wrote uh, The Manchurian Candidate, the Denzel Washington uh, edition, and who also wrote on Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, colon, The Cradle of Life. And uh, that is it for the writers, so let's move on to actors. The best actor, statistically, to appear in this film is Simon Pegg. This is his 25th film credit and drops his average film rating to a 61.04. It is his second film rating in the 50s and 16th best movie overall, coming in just behind Star Trek Beyond and just ahead of The Chronicles of Narnia, colon, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, for which he has a voice role. It keeps his film value at a 9 and his score at 65.52, ranking him 276th overall. One spot behind Gwyneth Paltrow, one spot ahead of Martin Sheen. Uh, Simon Pegg plays the partner to Mark Rylance. Uh, I wish he'd gotten a little bit more to do. You know, they, they go to this, this facility where you can watch um, past events that took place in Mark Rylance's uh, Halliday's life. And I think, I don't know, I, I they use it a lot and it's always just used in a way where oh, look, we found the perfect clue and thing or whatever we need to solve whatever happens next. And, I don't know, I just wish we would have gotten a little bit more depth and variation on, on seeing some of the um, past life and, and getting to see Simon Pegg a little bit more in that respect. Next up is Ralph Innocent. Uh, this is his 15th film, and... Drops his average film rating to a 60.73. It's his second film rating in the 50s and 11th best movie overall, coming in just behind The Witch, just ahead of Robin Hood. Again, I'm not super high on The Witch. I've definitely appreciated it more when I watched on my rewatch, but and that did bump up its score, but it is still in the 50s. So it's also actually also rated 59 alongside Ready Player One. However, in this instance, I would probably put The Witch higher in my own personal opinion, and so do the stats. And uh, Robin Hood, I think, is the Ridley Scott Robin Hood. He continues to have a value of 4.5, and, ha and he has a score of 58.09, ranking him 679th overall, one spot behind um, uh, Dileep Rao, who was in Inception, Avatar, and Drag Me to Hell only. Only three movies. And he's one spot ahead of J.T. Walsh from Good Morning Vietnam, Pleasantville, A Few Good Men, Misery, Hannah and Her Sisters, among many others. Uh, yeah, Ralph Innocent. Again, so underused. He has, I think, two scenes and, I don't know, waste. He's, he's a much better actor than the last couple of films I've seen have given him credit for, like The Hurricane Heist. Ooh, Hurricane Heist. 
next up is Ben Mendelsohn, who plays our antagonist in the film. This is his 17th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 58.94. It is his third film rating in the 50s and 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind last year's Oscar nominee and winner, Darkest Hour, and ahead of Black Sea. Uh, he has a film value of 5 and a score of 57.74, ranking him 716th overall. He is one spot behind Hugh Grant and one spot ahead of Mark Strong. And Ben Mendelsohn, I don't know, I, I mean, he gets to chew some scenery a little, and uh, that's it. He, he's He's pretty unremarkable in this film compared to, like, in Darkest Hour, I thought he was pretty solid. Really good, actually. Uh, and a lot of things, I think he's generally really good. This, he was fine. He was pretty much exactly what he needed to be for in service of the script. Next up is also an, an antagonist of the film, T.J. Miller. This is his 21st film credit and improves his average film rating to a 5186 it is his only film, rated in the 50s, and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind Get Him to the Greek and ahead of Office Christmas Party. Uh, he is credited for his voice in this movie, as we never see his actual body. Obviously, he did motion capture for the character he embodied, but that still equates to a quote-unquote voice role, as far as my spreadsheet is concerned. And... I mentioned this in the review episode, but you know he doesn't he doesn't do much. He's kind of just there. It is interesting, however, to consider that the character he voices in Red Player One uh, is kind of just like this huge guy who's like got a skull torso and like a, supposedly this big badass who's who's uh, very strong, collected all this loot, etc. But you contrast that with the voice role he has in the Emoji movie, where he's a meh. He's the main character in the Emoji movie. I thought that was funny. Um, moving on, uh, he has a film value of negative 0.5 and a score of 46.85, ranking him 1,751st overall, one spot behind Kathy Griffin, Dennis Franz, Jean Renault, and Weird Al Yankovic, all one spot ahead of him. And he is one spot ahead of Barbara Hershey and Francis O'Connor and Evangeline Lilly, among others. T.J. Miller. Next up is Olivia Cook. Uh, this is the sixth film credit of hers and improves her average film rating to a 58.17. It is her second film rating in the 50s and fourth best movie overall. Coming in behind The Limehouse Golem and ahead of Ruby's Skin. Uh, she has a value of 1.5 and a score of 45.13, ranking her 1,982nd. Tied with Annalise Basso, who was in um, Captain Fantastic and Oculus. Tied with Robert Stack, who was in The Mortal Storm, To Be or Not To Be. These are much more classic old movies. And she's also tied with Sala Baker, who was in The Fellowship of the Ring, Iron Man 3, Star Trek, The Book of Eli, The Equalizer, and uh, last year's Sleepless. Uh, Olivia Cook is one spot behind James Hong, 
who is in Chinatown, Kung Fu Panda, and Mulan, and one spot ahead of a couple people, including Freddie Highmore and Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union. And I mentioned this, but I think Olivia Cook is the best part about uh, Ready Player One, and I, I don't think it's close, really. I don't think it's that close. Uh, I guess I guess Mark Rylance is is probably a close second, but okay, uh, no one else is close. Olivia Cook. Next up is our main character, Ty Sheridan. This is his sixth film credit and improves his average film rating to a fifty-eight point one seven. It is his first and only film in the rated in the fifties and his fourth best movie overall, coming in behind The Tree of Life and ahead of Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. He has a film value of 1 and a score of 44.63. He is ranked 2057th overall, tied with Alexa Peña Vega, who is in Spy Kids 3D, colon, Game Over, which is basically this movie without as many pop culture references. He was one spot behind William Lee Scott, who was in The Butterfly Effect and Gattaca. And he is ahead, one spot ahead of Rachel Weiss from Runaway Jury and many other movies. And as I meant, as I've said, you know, Ty Sheridan, just average, average in this movie. I liked him a lot in Mud and Joe, but he was just fine in this. Next up is Halliday, Mark Rylance. This is his fifth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 56.6. It is his only film rated in the 50s and third best movie overall, coming in behind his Oscar-winning turn in Bridge of Spies and ahead of his animated but I believe mocap role in The BFG. Both Spielberg movies, and then Ready Player One is a third Spielberg movie. Uh, he has a film value of 0 and a score of 40.43. He is ranked 2,576th overall, one spot behind Piper Perabo, uh, who is in The Prestige, and Cheaper by the Dozen. And he is one spot ahead of Colm Meany, who is in Alan Partridge and The Damned United, among others. Mark Rylance was good. He was good. He wasn't Bridge of Spies or even even Dunkirk good, you know? Like, And Dunkirk, his role was even smaller than it is in Ready Player One, but he was much better in Dunkirk. Next up is Letitia Wright. Yes, she is in this movie. I believe she is one of the rebels at the... Um, when, in the real world, you, you see her as... I don't, I don't know. I didn't even catch her. I thought I saw her in a different part of the movie. But she is credited as a Reb in, in, on IMDb. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's there in the facility when it's... Uh, I, think you, I think you could see her when the uh, facility is overrun by um, IOI people. Anyway, this is her third film credit. It drops her average film rating to a 64.33. It is her only film rating in the 50s. And is her second best movie overall. Uh, third movie, actually, for her to come out in 2018. Uh, so behind Black Panther and ahead of The Commuter. Yes, she's also in The Commuter. She has a film value of 1 and a score of 39.6. She is ranked 2,683rd overall, tied with Harry Lloyd, who's in The Theory of Everything and The Iron Lady, 
as well as Brenda Song, who was in Like Mike, in A Cinderella Story and The Social Network. She's one spot behind Mark Rolston, who was in Aliens and The Departed. She is one spot ahead of John Deal, who was in Falling Down, National Lampoon's Vacation, and A Time to Kill, and Jurassic Park 3. Letitia Wright. Next up is Claire Higgins. This is her seventh film credit and improves her average film rating to a 50. This is her third film rated in the 50s and third best film overall, coming in behind Hellraiser and ahead of The Golden Compass. It keeps her film value at a negative 2 and her score at a 36.89. She is ranked 2,975th overall, just uh, tied with Hiroyuki Sanada, who is in The Last Samurai and Sunshine, uh, tied with Lucas Till as well, who is in Walk the Line and X-Men, X-Men First Class and Monster Trucks. <laughs> she is one spot behind Rachel Harris, who is in The Hangover, and she's one spot ahead of Joel David Moore, who is in Avatar and Dodgeball, colon, a true underdog story. Claire Higgins, I'm not 100% sure what her role was in the movie. Um, let, me look, let, me, let me check that real quick, if I can real quick. Claire Higgins, she plays Mrs. Gilmore. That doesn't explain anything to me. Next up is Lulu Wilson. This is her third film credit and improves her average film rating to a 53.33. It is her second film rated in the 50s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Ouija, colon, Origin of Evil. Uh, you probably don't, I mean, you may recognize her on site, but if you blink, you miss her because she is one of the elementary school students in the class uh, during like a montage. Has no lines, rarely see her. Uh, she has a film value of negative one and a score of 31 even, which ties her with a bunch of people, including Lil Bow Wow, Christina Aguilera, and Robin Tunney. She is just behind Alicia Cuthbert and Paget Brewster, and just ahead of Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. She was also in uh, Annabelle Creation, which she plays the lead, the central role in that film. Next up is McKenna Grace. This is her seventh film credit and improves her average film rating to a 41.71. It's her only film rating in the 50s and third best movie overall, just behind last year's Gifted and ahead of her voice role in the Angry Birds movie. She is in the exact same scene as Lulu Wilson and sits, I believe, right in front of her. Again, no lines, blinky miss her. She has a film value of negative 4.5 and a score of 27.94. She is ranked 3,771st overall, one spot behind Andy Garcia, and one spot ahead of David Morrissey and Greg Sestero, who is from The Room. And that's it. Uh, Those are all the actors in Ready Player One that had significant enough resumes to be put on the list. Moving on to genres. Ready Player One is rated 59 from 2018. It is an action movie. 
Improving the average film rating of action movies to 52.72 is an adventure movie. Improving the average film rating of those to 52.61. And it is a science fiction movie. Improving the average film rating of those to 53.13. It is a three on the Bechdel test. At the very least, there is a moment where Olivia Cook's character talks to H's real-world character about their appearance. And those are women talking about themselves. Uh, So that's a three. It is a PG-13 movie. It is not in the IMDb Top 250 or my own Top 300. It is not currently nominated for any Oscars, but it may. Might get into visual effects, I suppose. Uh, But we'll see. I I don't know. A lot of people are like already saying it'll win. I'm not so confident about that, but it looks good. It does look pretty good, I will say. However, in the Circle of Film Awards, it does have some nominations to start out. Uh, Spielberg gets in uh, for director. Uh, Olivia Cook gets in for supporting uh, for supporting actor. Uh, Klein and Zach Penn get in for best screenplay. Uh, it gets in for best score, which I assume was John Williams, but maybe I was wrong. Composer, Ready Player One. I mean, I just assumed... Yeah, John Williams, oh, and Alan Silvestri, currently in for Ready Player One. Score's okay. Uh, It didn't really stick out to me. I think the most notable sequence is the dance sequence. But, um, I don't, I mean, it's just, it's there. It's doing its thing. Uh, I guess, oh, actually, the the racing sequences are are actually pretty good, too. Uh, It gets in for tactile effects. And it gets in for special effects. So six nominations right now. Third, uh, that's the or fourth. Was it fourth in terms of total nominations at the moment? Black Panther still leads the way with 18. Game Night and Annihilation both have nine. And oh wait, no, Game Night has eight. My mistake. So Black Panther 18, Annihilation nine, Game Night eight, and Ready Player One six. Um, let me see. Just make sure that this all adds up to 60. If I can't... Er, 3, 4, 5, 6, 60? Yeah, okay, that's right. An extra one in there for game night. Not sure why. It is not one of the best... Not a best film in any category for 2018 at this moment. But let's move on to the year of 2018 and how this affects that. It is the four, one of the 42 films I have seen from the year 2018. It is one of the 630 films I have already seen this year. We are at the beginning of April. At this rate, so about 600 movies every three months, uh, that would put me at a solid 2,400 movies by the end of the year at this pace. We'll see. I don't think it gets that high. Uh, because I think inevitably this year I'm going to have to find a job. So, yeah. Uh, It improves the average film rating of films from 2018 to 32.57. It improves the tomato meter of 2018 films to 42.55. 
as an action film. It is one of the 15 action films from this year. It is one of the 10 adventure films and one of the 10 sci-fi films. Drama still leads all comers at 19 with Thriller next at 18. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, I tweeted last night about a new stat I added to this page specifically, but to the spreadsheet in general, and that is good bad films and the ratio between them. So basically what these thing what this category does what these columns do are they calculate how many films from a particular year I rated 60 or more. And that's how many good films I've seen. So for example, if you look at to use 2017 as an example, I have seen 146 films from 2017 that I rated 60 or more. Uh, or quote unquote good. Uh, then do the same thing for bad films, except in, uh, it's less than 50. Uh, so using last year as an example, I have seen 162 bad films from 2017. And then the ratio is just the, com- the ratio between the two. So 146 to 162 is about a ratio of 0.9. Uh, so anything less than one means that I've seen more bad films than good. Anything above one means I've seen more good films than bad. Some of the extreme examples, uh, you can look at 1993, in which the ratio is 38 to 11, or 3.45. You can look at 1979, in which the ratio is 21 to 6, or 3.5. Or the most um, one-sided ratio, which was re- like shocking that there was even a ratio this high. Uh, 1973, I've seen 17 good films and one bad one, or a ratio of 17. No other year has a ratio above 10, uh, except the years that have no bad films. Uh, so they're infinite. Uh, and this is interesting. Uh, you know, you got... Um, so, like, other years that are sub-1, uh, you've got 2006, 82 to 84, or 0. 0.98. 2005, 61 to 62, 0. 0.98. Um... 1975 is 7 to 11, or 0.64. So this year, even though, uh, although, you know, Ready Player One does not affect the ratio at all because it is rated in the 50s, and those films are quote-unquote okay films, so I didn't add them to either side of the, 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 the ratio. The current ratio is 5 good films to 35 bad films. Uh, so that's a ratio of 0.14, and is in fact the smallest non-zero ratio on the spread on the spreadsheet now that is mostly problem uh, due to the fact that we are early in the year and there's still a lot of things to go there's still things I haven't seen that are already out like um, like unsane uh, which I kind of expect to be on the good side of the ratio but remains to be seen uh, you know Isla dogs hasn't come out near me yet and you've got A Quiet Place, Blockers, both getting very good reviews coming out this weekend. So I ultimately expect the ratio to get a lot closer to one, even by the end of the summer. But for now, it is pretty bad. Uh, as a three on the Bechtel test, Ready Player One is part of the 47.62% of films this year that have a three on the Bechtel test. It is, a, it is the 16th PG-13 movie this year and pushes PG-13 to be the most prolific uh, MPAA-rated fi- uh, MPAA rating for films from this year, one spot ahead of R, which have 15. 
So there's that. It is also the 551st film to be rated PG-13 on the spreadsheet. Um, and it's not in my top 300, so it doesn't impact those at all. However, as a film rated 59, it is the 80th film on the spreadsheet with the rating of 59. It's a lot. It is the 803rd film on the spreadsheet to be rated in the 50s at all. Uh, so that's the third most prolific, uh, not decade, but um, tens value. Uh, to be uh, as far as quantity of ratings, 60s is the most uh, as the most with 947. 70s have 875 right now, and then 50s at 803, followed by 80s at 747. 40s, 30s, 20s, 90s, sub 10s, and then 10s. So the least frequent ratings are between 10 and 19, and the most frequent ratings are between 60 and 69. That's, uh, that's where we're at right now. So that's Ready Player One. Uh, that is pretty much all the stats I have for this movie. There are... I don't know. It, it's, it's a... It's a film, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm kind of mm, meh about the whole thing. Um, there's a small chance I go see it again. Uh, uh, my girlfriend wanted to see it, kind of. And I went and saw it without her because she's been so busy. So if she does end up wanting to go see it and no one wants to go with her, I will go with her and see it again. Like I said, it's spectacle. And those are the kinds of movies that, you know, you put on in the background or you show to your friends, kind of. And uh, I don't know. I just wasn't that impressed by the thing overall. But not so unimpressed that it's like a bad movie. So that's where we're at with Ready Player One. And uh, that's it for today's statistics. Uh, stay tuned after the after the break for the brief update to the Fantasy Movie League for this week. And if you are skipping out early, thank you for listening and come back soon. And now the Fantasy Movie League update for week five. Of this uh, of, of the Cine Realists Fantasy Movie League. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and machine. I mean, how hard can that be? Week five was largely uneventful. Uh, no one hit the perfect Cineplex, which was a uh, which was a Ready Player One and Six Wrinkles in Time and Black Panther, I think. And yeah, no one had that. We had a few people play a few screens of Wrinkle in Time, but nothing, nobody really distinguished themselves from the pack this week. Uh, the top five, six remain unchanged. Uh, Raman, Director's Cut, Rybone, Plexi, Perks, Plex, and Badass and Plex are all the top six still. They are the only people above $400 million in total box office gross through five weeks of the season. And they're only the, the only people above 80% of a perfect season so far this season. 
the none of them, I think, played a best performer. And uh, no, I don't think any of them did. So yeah, everybody went big on Paul or Acrimony, and neither of those were too great. Um, the perfect cineplex would have gotten you 99 million. Our best was 84, and that was by someone who has not set a lineup all yet, yet this season. Uh, Gotham, who is new to the Cinerealist League, welcome. And yeah, so pretty, pretty uneventful. A lot of new people added to the the league, however, including Literal, Ari Alexa, um, Mos Eisley, who this is their third week. I have just been lazy about adding them to the list. Yo, JRB, welcome back after two absent weeks. Uh, with a so with zeros, they now have he now has a actual week and uh, helped them helped him avoid being further toward the bottom anyway we are yeah so not much happened this week and we're looking at next week week six to hopefully bring about some some shaken up the standings uh two new movies currently be considered uh kind of just runaways depending on who you're asking blockers and a quiet place I've seen a lot of people advocating for A Quiet Place, a lot of people advocating for Blockers. Blockers seems to be the far more popular anchor at the moment, but uh, there's still plenty of time left to determine that. Thursday number is going to be big for these two movies. Uh, other new movies on the slate include The Miracle Season and Chappaquiddick, which are priced very low, so you know who knows if, if a little bit of a push can get to them. You also have this expansion from A Vial of Dogs to about, I think, 400 theaters now. Uh, you know, and and so there's a lot of, lot of question marks. Uh, I know where I'm leaning right now, but as I said, Thursday numbers will probably be the biggest factor this week between blockers and A Quiet Place. And if we get them, maybe Miracle Season and Chappaquiddick, but they're small enough that they might not even have preview numbers. That's pretty much it. Uh, also, keep in mind there is a new um, there's a new tiebreaker system in place on Fantasy Movie League. You, uh, if you don't put in a tiebreaker option, they will I think automatically revert back to the old tiebreaking system, which was lock time. But under the new tiebreaking system, you will guess the projected amount of money down to the dollar that a quiet place the highest value movie uh, will earn this weekend. So they give you a range of 10 to $90 million. I feel fairly confident that the movie falls within that pram- those, those brackets. And uh, just put in your number. Ooh, what's that? Uh, it's a truck somewhere. I don't even know if you could hear it, but it's back there. I heard it. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's interesting. We'll see. This is the first week with this new tiebreaker in place. And I'm excited to see, like, what becomes of it. Um, if you've been playing the prediction competition for a while now, then you've probably, you're, this is, you do this already. So it's old hat. But some people probably, a lot of people who don't, are now being asked to kind of do that. And I expect we'll see a lot of just, like, blanket numbers of 25 million, 35 million, 30 million. Um, I like that they do provide the projected range, but 
you know, personally, I don't think that it falls within that. I think it falls outside of the projected range. But that's just me. Uh, that's it. That's it for today's episode, and that's it for the Fantasy Movie League update. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in touch with the show, with me, you want to offer feedback, you want to suggest movies to see, you want to talk statistics or the, the anything, you can do that, circlefilm at gmail.com or on Twitter at circleoffilm. If you would like to check out the website, circlefilm.com, you can do so there, and uh, you can find all the old episodes, plenty of other information, including polls, sort of. Um, yeah, polls. I, I So, started out, I kind of went super ambitious from the jump. So, there, with March Madness, somebody posted like a, a Disney versus Pixar poll, or something like that. Or bracket, rather. And there was a thread of this on Fantasy Movie League that, you know, personally, I thought they left out a ton of movies that deserve better. And um, the best way to do that would be to have more brackets. You know, so I makeshifted up some brackets. So there's four different brackets, each with 64 entries on them. One is just Disney movies. One is just Pixar movies. One is... um, not Disney or Pixar movies that are feature-length films, and one is not Disney or Pixar movies that are short films. And those are very easy for me to just copy and paste over from my, my spreadsheet. So the seeding is purely based on my own ranking. So whatever's rate ranked higher uh, on the bracket is, in my opinion, the better movie. But that doesn't mean that that deserves to win. So I have that on the website. Uh, I don't know, they're not going to be like, they're not set, so it's not like it's going to be a new one every week or day or anything like that. It's kind of just, I I think it's going to be more like until one of the movies reaches a threshold. I don't know what that threshold is going to be. And then I decided that once um, each individual 64-person bracket is complete, that I would combine the top four movies from each one into their own bracket to have them compete against each other. That being said, uh, you can find not only the polls, but if you go to the new tab at the top of the website, Polls Archives, you can drop down to Best Animated Film Brackets, where you can see the whole bracket in its entirety. I apologize that they're all via um, Excel, but I tried to do it a different way. And they all were incredibly time-consuming or mostly just incredibly time-consuming. So, yeah, there's that. Um, So, you know, if you're interested, that's also there on the website. And uh, finally, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that on patreon.com slash circle of film. Thank you so much for listening once more. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.